is never the underdog. Yes, sir. He's never the underdog. Yes, sir. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. We're recording this Sunday, so Duke just beat Virginia Tech 81-65 last night in Cameron. Really wasn't that close of a game. I mean, this was a 75-50 game at one point, so it felt much larger than that. Um, We'll jump in and kind of dissect that and talk about it a little bit. One of the first things I just want to go ahead and just get out of the way so that we're not harping on it the whole time. Um, one, this was probably one of the most frustrating kind of blowouts that I've watched recently. And mainly it just, I hate to come keep coming back to the rest, but let's talk a little bit about that officiating. And I think there's kind of like a little bit of trends, a lot of frustrations, I think from Duke fans, um, you know, kind of getting walked over a little bit. So two or three kind of big ones here. The first one, we'll kind of talk about them like all together here. The first one, um, very beginning of the game, Flip's going down for a drive. Mutt slides in. He thinks he gets the and one. They they call that the charge. Second one comes down. Granison's just standing there, minding his own business, looking forward. Couture decides that I can just run into your shoulder and flop, and somehow that's a flagrant on Grandison. Um, that was probably the most egregious one that I've seen, and I think there was another one too. The one on Flip, the one oh, that. The elbow one in the face. Yeah. Um, and so I think that one's probably the one that like was I was least upset about because I could understand he did kind of like go for the steal and kind of got caught real low down there. Um, but there is kind of a trend where it seems to be we're finding ourselves on the wrong side of these supposedly 50-50 calls a lot. So let's toss that out to you guys. She will go to you first here. You making anything of that? Do you looking at this game by game here or are you seeing somewhat of a pattern as well? I mean, I've been harping on this for a couple of weeks now, you know. Um, at some point, John's going to, he's just, he's going to have to get a technical, man. He's going to have to man up and just light into somebody. I saw on the sidelines, I mean, they panned over to him and it wasn't during one of those three plays that you talked about, but he was, it was giving a, it, it was to a him. continuation thing. Right. And so there's, there's been a lot of those this year too, right? Yeah. Continuations that they get that we don't get. And that's right. exactly so what So Mitchell was didn't them. get it in the first half. Yes. And then in the second half, one yep. of their players did for basically the same type of play. And I, and I can't tell you how many times we've had something similar, you know, for us scoring in a continuation that we didn't get. So it's not just those, those technical, I mean, the, the couture one, like you said, if Jacob would have just not even seen him coming and just got hit and Jacob fall over. Cause I think couture did that. That's like a veteran move. He ran right at him. Um, but Jake did see him and, he manned up, you know, he he braced, he braced, you know, because you see him look down at him like, bro, like, what is this crap you're trying to pull, you know? Um, but so it didn't I look like Grandison moved, though. No, he didn't step after at the all. contact. Happened, he literally right? was like, standing there. You see dude, him Randy. like, yeah. yeah. It, it, if I slowed it down, slow motion, his his feet were planted the entire time. You see Couture just make a, a straight line right at him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a trend. We've been on the wrong end on, you know, several times and a, a few of them have cost us games now. 
And I didn't even mention mention the Mitchell kind of like no call there because we've gotten called for a few flops. And so I think Couture, Perdua, someone's on um, Mitchell down there and he's like right at the rim and he just turns and the guy just like completely disintegrates yep. and he and misses Mitchell, the bunny. The bunny yep. But it's like, okay, to me, it's like if that's not a block, it's not a charge to call the flop there, right? Like, what is that? That's something I would think. Um, they've been calling these every other, you know, for everything else. So I agree. There's some frustration. Ru, I know you've been a little bit kind of more on the conservative side with this. So, so what what did you see? Is this just isolated to this game, or what are you making of kind of the the chatter? Well, I mean, it's not that I think that Duke is getting a fair whistle. It's just more I question how much yelling at the refs and flipping out actually makes a difference. Um, you know, there's no there's no way to prove it one way or the other, and I especially don't want Shire doing it. I, I would have liked to see him do it last night, but in a close game that comes down to the wire, I don't think that's the place to do it because it can literally change the outcome of the game. And if you have a chance to still win, I think no matter how much you dislike it, he's kind of got to hold this cool there. Now, there are ways to criticize the play without getting a tech too. That's, you know, that's the line you've kind of got to walk. I also just kind of feel like maybe it's been a little overblown, the idea that Shire just kind of sits there and doesn't say anything, because there have been multiple times uh, where they've cut to him and he has been saying something. So how much do we not see? And then also, right. I've, I've known people who have been in the crowd and they've been like, oh, yeah, Shire was lighting into them. Yeah. And me and Chu said the same thing. I guess I think for me, it's a little bit of not that he's not doing anything, but we're continuing to not get the calls. Yeah. And so it's like, well, what does he have to do? Does he have to go out there and punch someone in the throat? Like what has to happen here? Um, you think and, it's like a um, first year coach thing that kind of it's, it's kind of like the first year player thing where like we see freshman bigs often get an unfair get whistle treatment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and they've kind of got to gain the respect of the refs first. You know, I don't think that should be the case. You know, everybody should be called equally, no matter how experienced you are and seniority and all that. But right. it seems like a similar thing going on there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point, too. And it's not like we're dealing. And I hate to just say this blatantly. I mean, you know, these are people's jobs and livelihoods and all that. But, you know, just as a fan college basketball officiating across the board is just pretty awful. You know, it's not just related to Duke. I just think now we're seeing it in a way. And the only comparison point that we have is how K would react, which is just like eruption. And so it's so much different to see the stoicism. Now he's gotten heated before. Um, but I think, you know, I think there is a little something there to this idea of like, okay, this is just continuing to happen here. Like, what's the deal? Um, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen in the tournament or we at least start to get the benefit on some of these things. So I would um, like to see him call it out in a press conference at some point. Yeah, he kind of did that against be, Virginia, but he was more just kind of I don't think he had had all of the information about the rule right. at that point. Right. That's the one that I really would have liked to see him step up and say something like yeah. after last night's big win, you're not going to say, well, I thought the officiating was bad or whatever. Like, it's sure. just that, not the place, really. But um, after the Virginia game where it literally cost us a game, that would have been the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well. Wanted to get that out of the way early so we could just go ahead and kind of rant and vent on that. And let's just jump in. Um, don't have a ton of just notes here, so it's kind of freestyle. The first thing that I take away from watching this game was the the defense on ball. Um, not really on ball, really kind of off ball, but on their guards. 
Yeah. And so you look at Couture, you look at Padua, and then the job that that Roach was doing, um, specifically Proctor was just just hawking those screens, dude. Like I think he only got caught on maybe two or three the whole night. Um, to me, that's the that's the game right there. And Shire talked a lot in his post game presser about how many threes Couture had hit in his last two games. They were very keyed in on stopping him. Um, I think John used the term. You know, like his threes are worth more because of what they just do to their team. Um, you know, this guy plays 38 minutes, scores six points. He only gets two threes off, doesn't hit a single one. That might be the best defense that that dude's seen this year. Uh, so let's start there. Padua, I mean, you know, he kind of got his a little bit, but five for 14, had a lot of trouble kind of like getting in the lane, trying to finish over lively. He hits that first three to start the game and then kind of shuts up. Um, so let's start there. The defense on those two guys. Raul, I'll go to you first on this one. Kind of what did you see on that? Um, I thought that was kind of the key to the game. Other than Rodney Rice coming out of nowhere for his first free throws, three points, points, and I guess first appearances ever. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to mention Rice. Um, that was one of our few weak spots defensively. Uh, he was going at flip over and over again. You know, and flip has kind of been traditionally pretty good man to man. So that kind of did surprise me. It was a little annoying. But other than that, um, I just thought the activity level was insanely good on both ends. Um, particularly like you mentioned with Proctor fighting through those screens, but really switching when we needed to. Um, we had some like roaming. Jacob Grandison was doing a little bit of that, that kind of like free safety role that he played in the last game too. It just mm -hmm. looked like we were completely dialed in from the very first minute. Yeah, for sure. Shu, would you, would you kind of same thing or you got something else? Yeah, I mean, you look at the first game, you know, Padula went for 16, Couture had 15 in that game with, you know, what was it, four or five threes? It seemed like uh, right out the gate. Um, like you said, he only had, Couture only had six points, Padula only 12. But Proctor, not only was he fighting through the screens, he was like being really physical with Couture. I was, I went back and, and rewatched the game and kind of focused on what Proctor was doing. And I mean, he was in his chest the entire time, even when he's just kind of, sitting in the corner he wasn't going to give him any daylight um so shout outs to proctor he's been huge on ball uh or off you know wh whoever he's he's guarding he's just been able to you know stop them um also thought mark mitchell was i think john even mentioned it, it was probably his best game um, yeah. one of his best games um defensively and and offensively but uh even even roach i think roach and proctor you know was as much pressure they were playing. I think they only, they each got backdoor cut maybe once. Um, so yeah, overall great game from, the, from the, uh, from the guards. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Mark Mitchell, so I guess we can go ahead and kind of shout him out there. Um, I think it was, it's hard to, I think, I feel like we've said this a lot about him, but that kind of just speaks to just his development this year. Um, it's hard for me not to look at this as his best game. Now he did have a game where he had like, 15 six and five or something kind of crazy. he had like a lot of system maybe that was syracuse or somewhere in there yeah, was yeah syracuse in the middle of that zone yeah yeah but what he was just doing the way he was attacking the Aggressive. way he was getting his shots yeah. um you know grabbing you know huge on the boards playing great defense you know i mean it, they couldn't stop him and he does all this in eight shots that's what's so perfect about mark is he doesn't ever get outside of himself it's just super efficient um knocks down the three kind of good to see that that's kind of trending back still not taking a ton but if they're leaving him open um he's knocking them down this one was actually on the opposite kind of wing that he usually hits them from so 
you know, that's always a good trend. He finishes with 17, was on pace to lead us in scoring. Um, no turnovers, got a block, got a steal. Um, yeah. Me, I mean, the, eight, I, the eight rebounds are big for me. Yeah, I mean, I know you already yeah. mentioned that, but a lot of those were in traffic. They were not easy rebounds. You know, six of them are on the defensive glass. So that's, you know, part of our defense there. So we did a great job on the defensive boards. Yeah. And there was a part of few other times that he was in a scramble that he had his hand on the ball. He was just, he yeah. was all over the court. You know, I think uh, Debbie Antonelli mentioned, like, you know, he's everywhere. Um, I think that the biggest difference you've seen in this game is prior games where he kind of just, I wouldn't say disappears, but when he gets the ball on that wing, a lot of times when he's not doing a whole lot, he's just moving the ball. He's, but last night, you know, he was aggressive. He called it, would make a head fake and then drive it and then making something happen, either scoring yeah. the ball, making a pass out, off the dribble. So, um, it's it's nice to see him being aggressive and and attacking and putting pressure on the defense. Yeah, and maybe the start of a trend. I mean, I know it's only been two games, but these last two games were arguably two of his best. And then, of course, against Syracuse, he's really good too. So you know, that's like what three of the last four or whatever. Which kind of trends too with what we've seen a little bit with some of the like off ball movement and some of the sets that we've been running lately. Um, it gives him more freedom when he's attacking, but he's also like involved in those kind of sets. And so we've been running this. It really seems to me um, that it was something that we started against Syracuse. So it was designed to kind of like beat a zone, space out a zone. And it's just continued to work with us, work, work for us, I guess. Um, and so we've created this space in the middle. So as one big comes in or one wing comes in, we're having our bigs kind of run the baseline. You saw it last night, flip gets doubled, immediately kicks it down to Mark, um, gets fouled. I think he felt, I think Lively got like three or four of his dunks just mm -hmm. off of those flip hitting for the one, the nice reverse dunk. Um, we just continued to utilize that. And it's really kind of given us some like, unnatural spacing i guess because we're creating it we don't actually have this the guys to really create the space just by throwing them out there so i've really been impressed with what john and the staff is doing to keep our best players to keep our size out there and still be able to maintain um some decent space there so and i think mark's starting to thrive in that and also shout out to him defensively again you know he's he's on Collins, so he's able to sag a little bit but he was also on mutts a lot um and i, I want to say mutts was kind of getting his points a little bit on young and some other guys mark was really botting him up especially at the end of the game where he goes up lively blocks him and he, he gets it back tries to go up again and mitchell just kind of stuffs him out um you know, and Mutz has been a guy that has really kind of worked just a little bit in the past, and really none of their guys did. I mean, Basili finishes with 15, Mutz has 11, you know, but like I said, this was 75-50, folks. You know, they get kind of 15 points there the last three minutes of the game. This was trending, you know, you reverse some of those calls, you get rid of those final couple minutes. This is a 30-point game. I mean, we flat out demolished them. Um you know, so it's it's good to see. It's great to kind of be playing at this point in the season, our best ball. Um, One other thing trending is our we're taking care of the ball. This was yeah. nine turnovers. Yeah. Um, you know, five, five the previous game. Yep. So, you know, when you're you're not giving up, you know, opportunities to score. I think we're in a lot of the would be in a lot of the games. Uh, the games that we've lost. I'm sure if you go back the. Um, what do you think we've had 15 or more turnovers in each of those games we've lost probably? 
Pretty much, yeah. We had 15 and some of the, we were just scraping about wins too, you know, like we were just doing it. So I mean, we had 21 against Miami. It's just been since this four game win streak, I think we had 12 against Syracuse. That's the only one that was in double figures. Um, and we beat them by 22. So that's been just a big time improvement. So, you know, shouts to, to Proctor and, and Roach on that too. Um, even Flip starting to kind of reduce those down a little bit. I know Roach had a few last night, but. There were like three of those nine. Man, those were, were like lively, garbage time, or two. One was lively. Like, dude, you got two of them that. were lively bobbles that should have been dunks. Yeah, so. um, I'm okay. I'm okay with those, even if they were a little bit risky passes. I far prefer something like that, where if it works, it leads to a dunk, yeah. than just some of the other stupid stuff where it's like you make a lazy pass on the perimeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It leads to a dunk for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, you kind of mentioned it too. So let's, I want to kind of give him, give him his own spotlight a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Roach. Um, has just kind of been a quiet, like offensive juggernaut for us a little bit here lately. I mean, just continues to kind of deliver, continues to make big shots. Um, you know, in the, you know, I mentioned the, the winning streak there in this four game winning streak. Now, Notre Dame, he doesn't play like incredible. He's three for 12, but since then, 17, 14, 19 on great efficiency. Um, not shooting a ton of threes, really just getting to the lane, getting inside. He has 11 assists last night. You know, that's a high for him. Um, only first, three turnovers. So first career double, double. Yeah. It was it. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, five rebounds too. You know, we said the three turnovers, one of them, I don't even credit on him. And the other one was just late game, just trying to make a play. Um, so, you know, again, shout out to him. Eight for 13, you know, just continues to be solid for us, continues to be a guy. And he's thrived since Proctor's really kind of took over that that ball handling responsibility. Um, Made a lot of great reads for, you know, for for Lively slipping screens. That's I think Lively got, you know, three or four of those dunks from Roach. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, the, the timeliness of his points, too. It just, he just seems to steady us at the right times. Like Virginia Tech cuts it to eight. Roach comes down and just hits a big man stone up three right in front of like Phil Flip gets him the little screen there and he just yep. buries it to push it back to 11. Um, and he's done that kind of all year, really going all the way back to kind of Xavier, Iowa. He's just been a guy who can just steady us um, at times. So that, mid, that, that mid-range, mid-range jumper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. logo, logo yeah. pull up. Right the MIDI is nice. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I don't always love the mid-range jumper, but with him shooting it, I really think it's a great shot for him, especially with how small he is. And he has a little trouble finishing at the rim sometimes. Right. And he's pretty automatic if you give him that shot open. Uh, and it's just such a great shot because when our half-court offense is just kind of breaks down and we don't have anything going, you just set that one screen, he comes around it, hits the mid-range shot. I'd like to go back and watch some of his, because I if and Raul, you might remember in his freshman year, that mid-range, he was shooting a pretty, like, really low number um, mm-hmm. from his mid-range shots, according to Ken Palm. So I'm wondering, like, I feel like in, in his freshman year, he was going, you, you notice now he, when he comes in, he he steps, but he's almost fading away, but yeah. creates a lot of distance and just, you know, puts a little bit of arc on it. It's normal, normally a, you know, feathery shot. Yeah. Um, I think earlier in his career, too, he seemed to jump a lot higher on like those mid range shots, you know, and he'd have a lot of like back rim, front rim kind of do 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 rattle yeah, in for yeah. him. Um, he seems to have kind of tweaked that a little bit. Still got a lot of arc on his threes and some of those other ones, but he seemed to kind of find a little different space there. 
in the middle. So um, I don't like that you mentioned that, you know, how he's taken off since we've kind of put because Pro- Proctor, if you go and look, you know, the last several games, you know, he's scoring, but he's doing it all. He's not really calling his own number. He's kind of getting his points as they come, but he's looking to, you know, make sure everybody else is is getting going. So it, it's definitely been the the right move. And shout out to Jeremy for like uh, going along with it, really. I mean, he's almost deferring to Proctor as the ball handler. You'll see sometimes where he'll bring the ball up the court and he'll look back and drop it off to Proctor. Yeah. He doesn't have to do that. You know, he could pout. He could, he came back to run this team. And when it became apparent that Proctor was the better option on ball, Jeremy found a role and is excelling in it. Yeah. Um, and he's really taken on, and he's he ha- he's the one with eleven assists last night. You yeah, know, and yeah. he's had like six assists game recently, and it's just this subtle kind of shift in roles. Um, and I think wrote Jeremy could have been comfortable either way, and he probably could have done this. But what it's done for Proctor, like him allowing Proctor to come in and get some of that, because it seems every time I look at the box score these last few games, and he's got like Proctor's got like 10 points or 11 or 12 or whatever. I feel like he's had 20 because he just starts the game, dude, just like blitzing it, looking for a shot, super aggressive. And then it opens everything up and then he kind of gets into it and just starts deferring and moving the ball. Um, I don't know if that's intentional on his part, but I would think there's something to that because he's done it like three games in a row where he just comes out, hits like his first two threes or whatever. Um, And then he kind of just starts finding guys and and getting in there. Another guy we haven't talked about, though, um, I thought this was a game where Flip showed kind of a lot of maturity. And I know you were talking about this offline a little bit. Kind of a rough first half. I mentioned he thought he got the M1. If you see it, he's already like, you know, celebrating and then it's a charge. Um, he gets elbowed. He gets into some foul trouble. Um, and credit to John, too, for putting him back in in the second half and immediately kind of running stuff through him. I like that the announcers were talking about that as well. Um, so I, let's just talk about that a little bit. Kind of, you know, shoot. What did you think about this game from from Flip? To me, you know, two turnovers, 12 points, three rebounds. That's not kind of going to knock your socks off. But in the way that he was able to kind of bounce back and get that, I thought that showed a lot of growth for him. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously they they were keying in on him. Um, what do you have the the first time? Twenty nine and twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. So I think their game plan was obviously to to limit flip, um, and they were they were being physical and aggressive with him, and he was getting frustrated. There were a handful of times that you would see him, you know, with his hands up, gesturing at the refs, um, and and for good reason. Like you said, that offensive foul call was. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I didn't think he really forced a whole lot. There was a lot of his shots that he got in, in the flow of the game. He had he had one kind of runner where it looked like he looked at maybe Dariq or Grandison in the corner as he shot it off off the uh, the back of the the back. I think the shot clock was running down there. It was right running there. down, but so I, he kind of got stuck sure, in a bad spot. Yeah, but. but I'm pretty sure he was like not even looking at the basket. <laughs> <when he was laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, shouts to him for just you know. Being a being a soldier, man, and 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 playing playing hard, regardless of how the, you know, the game was unfolding for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, didn't talk about this a second ago, but another back to back games with all five starters and double double figures. That's continuing to trend. The balance that we have out there, um, not a great game from the bench. So now this is two games in a row where Dariq's kind of not getting a lot of shots, and the ones that he's getting aren't going. Um, I, I thought, thought Jacob. After, I thought Jacob was good though. 
Yeah, yeah, Granderson was well, um, played pretty well. He still didn't take a lot of shots. I think he only no. took two or three. Um, not a great game points. for Ryan Young, you know, no, just he not finishing. Like three it, it, it layups. Was, he made his first one, then he missed the next four, and they were some of them were tough. You know, degree of difficulty was high, but normally you see him make those. You know, he's been Mister Five for Five, Six for Six all year, and so yeah, to go one for five, you know. Um, yeah, does miss, miss the front end on a, on a free throw. You know, he's been yeah. a really good free throw shooter, yep. too. So just, you know, for whatever reason, the ball wasn't dropping for him. Um, I thought he gave us some kind of good energy, though, during that foul trouble. Just kind of saved us, let us kind of get through that. Um, you know, overall, it's a great game. Kind of played all the way around. You know, we don't shoot a ton of threes, but we shoot 39% on the ones that we do. Um, you get the bench in there a little bit. You start to kind of get the starters out. Looked like everyone was having a good time. One thing that I did pick on at the end, it's kind of hilarious to me, is Virginia Tech, when they cleared out their bench, they have a guy named John Camden and Camden John, or Camden John's son. So I was like, oh, you got a Cam John and a John Cam. So, you know, just a little random tidbit to throw out there for you. Anytime you can get that deep into the opponent's bench, it's always uh, – yeah. It, well, I guess it could be really good or really bad. But, <laughs> um, this time we happen to be the – I'm guessing their bench outscored our well in in that segment when they finally uh, brought in Cam John and John Cam or whatever. <laughs> isn't that yeah, when we, we gave did. up a lot of points at the end? Yeah, there? we didn't score at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of sucked too because, like I said, it was 75-50, you know, and it just kind of they go on that fifteen to six run there at the end. But you know, whatever. Another great Could have game been a nice Ken Palm bump for us. We yeah, didn't mention we are the to... top top uh, ACC team in Ken Palm right now. Yeah. Uh, yep. Virginia's taking a nosedive, so that's part of it. Yeah, what did you say they are on Torvik since we played them? Like 222? Yeah, 222. Mm, that's Even gross. if you include our game, they're 170. Um, but if you take our game out of it, which is really the last time they played well, at 222. Mm. Anything else you want to talk about in Virginia Tech game? I figured we could talk about state kind of briefly here and just the state of the ACC right quick and then wrap it up. I just wanted to kind of take a global look kind of at the player development we've seen over the year. Cause it's not just, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Proctor, but it's also lively. It's also Mitchell really with the way he's playing right now. I just think Shire's done a great job of kind of bringing these guys along slowly. And I know to some extent he's had to because of the injuries and stuff, but you know, I think we're seeing the benefits of playing a deep bench. You know, it starts out rocky, maybe, in a way that we're not used to because we're used to Kay finding his seven guys mm-hmm. and running some, you know, kind of immaculate system based on those seven guys. And that's what he does throughout the year. And I'm not saying Kay never changed his offense, but, you know, he figured it out pretty early. Yeah. And so to kind of see basically everybody, probably with the exception of Flip and Blakes, maybe not Ryan Young either, but Ryan Young's like a fifth year guy, but. Other than those three, I really think everybody's playing better right now than they were at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I get, and with Flip, it's just because he started so strong. Right. So yeah, he set hard, the bar but, so high. Yeah. And he's had waves, right, where yeah. he's had, like, bursts of, like, three or four games where he's, like, really, really good, and then a few where he's just kind of, like, okay. Um, and so I'm not too worried about that. I guess you could maybe throw Dariq in that bubble with those guys a little bit just because his availability has kind of been so hit or miss um it's really hard to get consistency with him Um, yeah but if you if you still compare him to when he first came back i think he's better 
Like, I know he struggled these last two games, but if we were to look at the overall arc. Sure. Because when he first came back, he looked real rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think the, like, Proctor, Mitchell, and Lively are just yeah. great developmental stories. They just overshadow everything else because those three are just so loud, I feel like, in terms of just where they're at. Um, and the fact that they're all kind of at this space at the same time right now has been really cool. And John even talked about in his presser um, that they've started in practice. They do a lot of individual work, too. So they do stuff together, but they do a lot of individual work. And I think you're really just seeing that. Um, and hopefully it continues to trend at the right time. We got two left. I mean, yeah, it's nice to see this happening at the right time. I think earlier in the year, listening to the cbs pod gp had you know mentioned our struggles and it was because our five-star freshmen weren't really playing like five-star freshmen yeah well now they are right yeah yeah um and even though you know there might be a game where whitehead doesn't really do a whole lot but you know you get lively's coming up with you know 13 points so that's what we thought we were going to get all along from them you know mm-hmm. anywhere between nine 14 points um, couple blocks, you know, great defense talking on that back line. Um, so to see all this stuff coming together uh, right around as March rolls around is just pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and Shire shouted out Derek's kind of just, I think he called him the best freshman talker he's ever yep. seen, that he's seen yeah. since being back at Duke um, 2014. So, you know, that always trends well. And it's just evident. We've talked about it. I mean, you can see him on the bench, like yelling at Ryan. And if Ryan don't hear him, he's like, Ryan, right. Like he's doing it in a way like that is just so huge. Must um, be working because Ryan's even blocking shots lately. Yeah. I mean, he's flat <laughs> yeah. footed and all. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's, it's trending for sure. But, and it's good. That's what you say, right? You always want to be playing your best when it matters at the end of the season. Um, you know, we still got two games left, but I think this is arguably not even arguably. This is our best four game stretch in about two and a half, three months, maybe even of the season when you factor in everything else. And what so, are we eight, eight of our last 10? Is that yeah. what that is? We're um, seven of nine, seven, of nine, seven and, of nine. And yeah. that's on paper. I mean, if you want to call it eight of nine, yeah. You know, some people might say the ACC of office might say, but yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? But um, looking at the last five games, even, um, even including that Virginia loss, um, Torvik has us at 19th in the country, which compared to like what it were like 36 or something overall. So there's some real evidence of a positive trend there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, we turn right back around Tuesday, last home game. So I think that if we won Tuesday, I think that makes us 16-0 and at home to to go undefeated, which really want that, really want that. And it's the revenge game against arguably our worst game of the season. Oh, by far. Yeah, yeah, we got um, You know, blitz. that Miami game was bad, but that Raleigh one was, no, was rough. Was I mean, 84 to 60, you know. Um, 18 to nothing start. Yeah, yeah, just absolute, just trash on that. But um, and there was less of, excuse for it too. It's like with the Miami yeah. game, you had okay two day turnaround coming off the UNC game. We all kind of were writing that up as almost a schedule loss. Right, but NC State, we didn't. There was no reason for it. We just didn't yeah. show up. It's a four day break coming off Florida State at home. Like, come on, you know, like let's yeah. show up. But um, you know, I think we're both different teams by now. I was kind of hoping State would do make things real interesting and beat Clemson. Instead, they turn around and got a 25-piece handed to them. Um, so that kind of puts things in a weird spot. They had just beaten Carolina and Wake. 
Now they drop that to Clemson at home in Raleigh. And so this is their last game. So yep. they come to Duke for their last game on Tuesday. You know, a win, I think we've talked a little bit about it, but we're kind of locked in right now on this five seed line. Um, now, if State would have beat Clemson, it could have gotten really interesting. But the way tiebreakers work out between Virginia and Clemson, uh, both have a win over us. I think we're kind of locked into that. But um, either way, yep. you know, want to want to. A win, to know it and a win guarantees us the, at least the fives, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no lower than five. Yeah, a, a win keeps us there. Um, nice little revenge game. So we just got the one on Virginia Tech. We got another one now coming in. Ken Pond's projecting 74-69, so a five-point Duke win. Let's just start there. Shu, I'll go to you first. Is that you tracking with that? You think when we're covering, you taking Duke, what you got? Yeah, I mean, I like the way we've been trending, you know, defensively and offensively. I think, uh, you know, obviously that first that first game in Raleigh, we just got blitzed out of the gate. I think they're going to be ready for that. They're going to um, be ready to, to be uh, better with the ball, not turning it over as much. So I'll say we win uh, 78-70. Okay. Okay, Duke to cover. Roll what you got. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's – a quick-ish turnaround, but not excessively quick. And we've seen Shire and Revenge games so far this year be really good. So I do think we're going to win. I think it's going to be close, though, simply because State's really good. And I think they're going to be a little bit desperate after that Clemson loss, giving up 96 points at home. And like you said, it's their last game. So they're kind of going to want to finish strong. You know, yeah. and they're going to have some confidence already having beaten us, which may play into our hand, actually. That maybe they're overconfident, but I still feel like I would go something like maybe 74 to 70. Okay. Okay. So slowing it down a little bit, kind of keeping it pretty low. Um, the one thing that I'm hoping doesn't happen is just, what was it, DJ Burns, Burns. was just like mm. taking up the whole court literally and figuratively just like we couldn't do anything against him. Um, for whatever we need reason. to pull them out so, of space a little bit more somehow, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously that start last time was just terrible, but you know, I, we haven't lost at home yet. It's another revenge game. They're coming off a twenty-five point drubbing, so you know, I think five points is pretty favorable. Um, I'm kind of thinking a little bit more like shoot. I don't know if we get to seventy-eight, but I could see it something like a. 75 68 somewhere in that that kind of range um just because our defense has been playing so well so you know but our offense is trending too so maybe we do get more points on the board we'll see but um big game for us final game in cameron um kind of crazy that this thing's already over and so like to finish that off strong go ahead and, and get John, kind of that clean slate his first year. Um, you know, obviously you don't hang a banners or do anything for that, but it's cool for us as fans. You know, we talked about that last week or the week before um, that that's kind of become a thing of the past. So it would be really cool to bring that back. Then we get a chance to go and really take care of business Saturday. So we'll, we'll not talk about that yet. We won't get ahead of ourselves. Um, but uh, I think everybody knows what's, what's at stake in that one. So yeah, uh, um, Anything else you all got about state? I don't want to jump too deep dive. We've already played these guys. I mean, it's late in the year. It's a revenge game. Anything you think worth kind of touching on outside of that? Yeah, just uh, take Other care than of find Jarko Joyner and like put Proctor on him, please. <laughs> Joyner, more so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess Joyner's a little smaller, so maybe Roach can kind of. 
I think they have that uh that Jack Jack Clark. Uh, Jack Clark. I think he'll uh, be, you know, take care of the ball, play defense. You know, I'm 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 liking what I've been seeing the last couple of games. So keep that going. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty I think, you know, Duke fans should feel pretty good about this playing playing at home. Um so you know, I'll say that we'll we'll lose, but you know, what are you gonna do? But uh you know, in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe, email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. Follow us on the boards at thedevilsden.com. Two more folks. Keep the faces strong and the verb high. Go do it.